0: Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to be turning to Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We will be there in just a moment. Uh, but before we jump into today's message, I just wanted to share with you a, a note that we received um, this, this past Friday. Um, and then a, another note that we received last night. Uh, this past month, our church has had the opportunity to uh, serve a family through our hospital apartment ministry. And uh, if you're new to Homewood and you're not familiar with the hospital apartment ministry, we we own about eight apartment units uh, downtown. And so folks who are coming in from out of town to receive medical treatment uh, can stay at the apartments free of charge, or their family members uh, can stay at the apartments free of charge. And it it gives them just a, a place, a home away from home, uh, a lot of times being in a hospital for a, a long periods of time uh, can be, be very challenging and difficult, as some of you know. Uh, and so this, this past month, uh, we had a couple who was on their way uh, home from Arkansas, or, or to, uh, on, on the way home to Arkansas with one of their children. Uh, they were coming back from, from Disney World. And as they were coming back, and uh, as they were approaching Birmingham, uh, the wife uh, started uh, experiencing some, uh, some stroke-like symptoms. And so uh, the husband was familiar with UAB and uh, was able to get her uh, to UAB. Um, and then we made a connection with them and they were able to, to get into our hospital apartments. Uh, it was discovered that uh, this uh, 48-year-old woman uh, had lymphoma and uh, it was moving very, very fast. And we received word Friday that, uh, that she passed away. And um, the, the husband uh, s- sent us a note last night Uh, After some communication that we have been having with him and and our prayer team has been praying for them. And he just said, uh, He said this He said, Thank you for all the prayers that the Homewood Church prayed for my wife Sharon and for me and my family. Uh, We're so appreciative for the nice apartment to rest and recharge when I needed it the most. It's been six weeks uh, since I've seen my little six year old boy who is autistic. He was staying with family in Arkansas. Please pray that God will give me the words to try to explain to him that his mother will not be coming home and is now in heaven with Jesus. I will never forget the way the Homewood Church has ministered to me and my family in our time of need. You truly are doing the Lord's work. I know that's a a tough way to start out a sermon. But I, I can't help but read that knowing that I've got a six-year-old little boy at home. And I also can't help but read that hearing the words of hope in Chris's voice. That he messaged us, and I'm so thankful for folks like Lucinda Smith who serve in our hospital apartment ministry and stay in close contact with these families. And he messaged us and he said that my wife, has received her healing. And, and you don't say something like that without hope. You, you don't. So we can sing about it. I put my hope in your holy word. Do we? Is, is you really our living hope, even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances? I'm so thankful to serve along a church family who desires to be loved, in people's darkest hours what, what we just did a few moments ago are and I'm going off script here because I think it's important what we did a few moments ago with the contribution it's not it's not just a that's not just a habitual thing that, that we, you know, obligatory thing that we need to do, no, no if you've given to the ministry of this church, you have given toward providing this place of respite and, and some of people's most darkest times in the hospital department ministry it's just one ministry that you've given to so I'm so thankful for a church that serves during these times I'm really taking this time because I want to ask us to pray for Chris and pray for the English family Um, they have six children Um, the six-year-old is the youngest I'm I'm praying for Chris this morning. I don't know when he's having these conversations, but I I just want to go, 500 of us, uh, 510 of us, just go before the throne in heaven right now. And I'm going to give you just a moment of silence just to pray for this family and and pray for for Chris in particular uh, during this this time. So let's just have a moment of silence, pray for this family, and then I'll, I'll guide us to close that prayer. Let's pray. And so, Father, we we come before you in the name of Jesus, because that's the only way that we can. Uh, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to you except through Him. I oh God, it's in, it's in moments like these that uh, that you know uh, my heart. You know that that I don't have words, and, and, it's, and it's when we call upon the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf that that you hear our groans and and you are able in your wisdom to provide a, a comforter, a helper, a resource, an advocate, a paraclete uh, in order to put to, to language what we cannot. And Father, we're, we're asking for uh, those unspoken words today on behalf of Chris and the English family. We're thankful that, uh, that we are able to partner with you in what you're doing uh, we're, we're able to, to come alongside the stranger, we're, we're able to, to love a neighbor that we've never met, and we're able to show hospitality uh, to a, a family who was uh, in such desperate need. And so God, I, I pray today that we, will, that we will continue to be fixated on who you are and who you make us. I can't think of a better text to turn to than the text we're about to turn to right now. In Romans chapter 8. Thank you for your word. We put our hope in your word. We put our hope in your living word. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. It's in him we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, many of you have, have traveled or taken a vacation of sorts over this summer. Uh, our family has done that. You've done that. Uh, if you're, if you're like me, uh, there is a, there's just a sense of anticipation. You know, when you know you're going to be taking a trip that, that you want to take, uh, there, there's a, a sense of just, of, of waiting in expectation for that. And then even when, when the trip gets here, uh, as some of you have experienced, uh, there, there's another waiting that takes place. Because usually if you're going somewhere, uh, you know, it's not a staycation, usually if you're going somewhere, it takes time to get there. Uh, you, you've got to either drive there, you've got to fly there, you, you've got to do something, ride your bike, whatever. You have to get there and it takes time. And so I've, I've felt that way a little bit as we've been approaching Romans chapter 8 these past several weeks. Uh, but you can't, you can't really talk about Romans 8 unless you first have dove into Romans 1 through 7. And so uh, ever since the spring, we, we've been traveling through this, this letter that Paul has written, uh, chapters 1 through 7. And now, after all of, all of my waiting, we get, we get to this, this chapter, Romans chapter 8. I, I told you a few weeks ago that uh, I went to a conference last summer in Waco, Texas, um, and it was a conference that was solely focused on Romans chapter eight. Ten sessions, ten hours of Romans chapter eight. I have I've never seen so much emphasis put on one chapter of the Bible. Uh, I've mentioned to some of you before that uh, I am a, a distant relative of Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, my mother's maiden name is Bach. Um, which, by the way, I mentioned my mom a few weeks ago, and I was kind of talking about the way that she loved us growing up, and and some of you thought that she passed away. My mom is alive and well. Um, sorry, mom, if you're watching this, a lot of folks have thought you've been gone for a few weeks, um, but my mom is alive and well. But but she was a Bach. My grandfather was a Bach, and and so um, we have one of our relatives has done the whole uh, genealogy thing, and and I think it's uh, he's a distant cousin of ours, uh, if you trace it all the way back. Uh, But Johann Sebastian Bach actually set to music a famous cantata on Romans 8. It was such an impactful passage for him, even in the 1700s, that that he put music to it. It's a cantata, and it's Jesus, believe it, meaning for it. And I think I said that right, but I don't know. It's Jesus' joy of man's Desiring for Jesus shall remain my joy. Uh, The great 20th century Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said Romans is one of the brightest gems in the whole of the Scriptures, and this chapter 8 is the brightest gem in the whole cluster. Chapter 8 really makes uh, this, this grand finale of this movement. We've talked about how these these movements have been happening in this letter. Uh, chapters 1 through 4 is, is a movement, as, as uh, like a symphony, as Tom Wright describes it. Uh, and then chapters 5 through 8 is another movement. So this is the second of the symphony movements. And now we're coming to the grand finale of the second movement of the symphony. And in chapters 8 through 16, Paul's really going to answer this question that he has begun— uh, to ask in chapters 5 through 7. And this question is, is how does faith, how does faith in the good news of Jesus Christ, how does that lead to actual change in our lives? And so many of us, uh, we come to the text with questions. It's it's natural for us to to come to the text with questions. Some of us ask the question, what does this mean for me and my health concern? Some of us ask the question, well, uh, what does this mean for me when, when my loved one passed away and, and I prayed for them not to? Uh, what does this mean for me when I lose my job and, and my world gets flipped upside down or, or I move to a new location and, and everything's, you know, in, in flux, you know, and, and what, is, what does this mean for me? And, and what does this mean when I'm, I'm overworked and it feels like that, that I have not one ounce of extra time? What is it? mean for me when my faith is hanging on by a thin thread? And these are honest, real, sincere questions that we, we bring to the text. But I wonder if we allow the text to question us. Do, do we allow the text to ask questions of, of us? One of the books that I revisited on my sabbatical uh, was a book called uh, The Witness of Preaching by Thomas Long. Uh, it was a book that was uh, introduced to me by Randy Harris when I first started preaching uh, now i 'm in my thirteenth year of preaching here at this church, and so I revisited it and it 's one of those books that you you remember some of the context content, but when you come back to it thirteen years later you 're different, and so you 've experienced some of those before. Uh, and, and I came back to this text, and it's really, if you want, if you want to understand kind of just the whole uh, theology of preaching and the dynamic of preaching, uh, th- th- this is one of the books that I would, I would point you to. But in this book, you'll, you'll see on the screen, Thomas Long says, God has, has chosen to meet us in the event of preaching. He promised to be present there. And this is not because our sermons are good, but because God is good. I want want that to sink in for just a moment because Christ is not present because I preach. I preach because Christ is present. Preaching like all other actions in the church is joining in on what God's already doing. And we dare to preach because we believe that Jesus Christ is already speaking to the church and to the world. And if you let that sink in, now you're ready to hear Romans 8. If you let that get deep into your soul, here's the word from the Lord. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And if the the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. The Word of God for the people of God. Uh, Paul's emphasis on this, this first half of chapter 8 is really this emphasis, this stark contrast between believer's situation in the Spirit and their previous situation in the flesh that we, we just a few weeks ago walked through in, in Romans chapter 7. And so you'll notice if, if you go back to Romans chapter 7, you'll, you'll remember there's all of these pronouns in, in that chapter. Paul, Paul says the pronouns I and my and, and even uh, uh, me. And, and I, verse, verse uh, 15 in chapter 7, I, I do not understand what I do for I, what I want to do, I do not do, but, but what I hate to do. I think over 40 times in chapter 7 we, we see this personal pronoun. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then we got to that verse that we we just spent some time with a few weeks ago. If you remember, thanks be to God who has delivered me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this really sets us up for chapter 8. There's two monumental therefores in the letter to the Romans. Now there's... More than just two, but there's two monumental ones. One monumental, therefore, is going to be in chapter 12, where Paul's going to say, Therefore, I urge you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's coming. That's coming in chapter 12 in a few weeks. But the other one is, is here in chapter 8 where Paul says, because of what we just talked about in chapter 7 and before, Paul says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God's children in Christ, the Spirit replaces sin as the indwelling power that determines our direction and behavior. So now... You see in this verses 1 through 13, we are enabled to to please God and to live as God's adopted children through the Spirit. And we don't have time to go into the, 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 the words, the Holy Spirit is mentioned, I think, 17 times, 16 times in the first 16 verses of, of just this one chapter. Uh, we did a series on the Holy Spirit last fall, and I would encourage you to go uh, go back on our, our church app, the Homewood Church app, and you can, you can listen to that series. Binge listen to that series. It's, a, uh, it's one of the, the favorite series I've ever done. But, but, but what one speaker I heard referred to is, is how this really sets us up to be free from, from two traps. Think about these two traps that we often find ourselves in. One, one is the performance trap. So God is keeping track of my performance. So in order to get a good score, I, I just need to do more, read my Bible more, pray more. Serve more, 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 more. And it's a, it's a trap that we find ourselves falling into. It's, it's all good things, but, but we think that the performance trap is something that will um, allow us to, to hustle God, if you will. So if, if I just hustle God, if I come in for the, the 60 minutes on Sunday morning, I can hustle God in, into thinking I'm, I'm you know, doing what I need to be doing. And so we don't serve a God who can be hustled. You may hustle other people, but you can't hustle God. The, the second trap is, is the pretending trap. And so this is the trap where, you know, we, we see uh, others sometimes. Uh, we compare ourselves with others. We see the, the family that comes in with bows and Bibles, and we think they've got it all together. Even though we know that five minutes before they came in, they were fussing in the car. But we find ourselves, okay, well, if if they got it all together, then I need to have it all together, so I'm just going to put my all-together face on, and and I'm going to come in. I'm going to pretend. And the pretending trap is a a trap that we we know all too well. Romans 8 sets you free from both traps, and that's good news. As a matter of fact, in our our remaining time, I just want to give you seven good news. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you'll notice that Every one of these has the word new in it, so it's, it's, it's good news. All right, it's going to be seven good news that I, I want us to, to walk through this text and just remind ourselves of. first one is the new freedom. That through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Uh, in Matthew 9, we, we see this, this beautiful picture of freedom. Um, and, and instead of me reading it to you, I, I want to encourage us to let's let's watch this depiction of Matthew 9 from the TV series, The Chosen on the screen. Jesus of Nazareth. I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope. Put it back, man! You are willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this. Whose authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk easy to say anything no but to show you and so that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins I say to you my son rise pick up your bed and go home. amazing grace to know that your sins are forgiven. But the question becomes, uh, are you walking? So it's not just the question, well, if I die tonight, am I going to go to heaven? The question becomes, if I get up tomorrow, am I going to walk in the spirit? It's a new freedom that Paul is trying to articulate to us, which leads us to a new mindset. Number two, that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. We have a new spirit. We have a, a new mindset. We have a new orientation. We have a new pattern of thinking and new affections. I've encouraged our small groups, our connect groups, to, to talk about what, what this means practically, what, what this means to, to set your affections, to set your mind on the things of the Spirit Paul tells us in Galatians what the fruit of that Spirit is. It's love, it's joy, it's peace. It's just the fruit that is is being produced by the Spirit inside of you. Number three is a new presence. Verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he or she does not belong to Christ. So, So the Spirit assures believers that they belong to Christ. That word if should not be read as a cause for doubt. Paul's actually just stressing what is true doesn't mean that we won't ever quench the spirit because we will it doesn't mean that we won't ever grieve the spirit because we will yet paul is reminding the reader that the spirit who raised christ from the dead is in you and this leads us to number four a new obligation what does paul say i'll tell you what he says verse 12 therefore brothers and sisters we have an obligation I didn't make this up. That's what Paul said. We, we have an obligation. An obligation to what? An obligation to live by the Spirit rather than the flesh. Several years ago, we went on vacation. I think I've shared this story before, but we went on vacation with Laney's family. There were seven of us, and we were gone on a Sunday morning. So we decided to, to look up a, a church in the area, and we found a, a Church of Christ that we went to. And we, we walked in, and we had no idea, but we walked in, and there were seven members in this Church of Christ. And so we doubled their attendance that day because we brought seven people with us, and went from seven to fourteen. And and the preacher was uh, got up to preach, and he was one of the seven. And when he got up to preach, he was he was talking about um, modesty and purity of all things. Some of us would say it was an old school church Christ sermon. And he was talking about these things, and and as I was listening, and I was I, I just it's one of those sermons that you could have. have, have quickly just turned off and said, no, uh, yeah, that's, that's not, that's old school. It's not for me. But as I allowed the the Spirit of God to, to just to work through the, the Word of God in my life, I, I just became convicted. I, I became convicted of some things that I needed to, that I had not put to death in my own life. And so that morning, you know, he, he came to that, that moment, that stand and sing moment, and, and tears are running down my face. And so I, I knew nothing else but just to respond. So I took two steps, and I responded. There's only 14 of us, so, you know, it wasn't very far to the front. Took two steps, and I responded. And, and I didn't, you know, didn't know what the preacher was going to say. He, you know, he put his arm around me and told him, I just, I need prayer. And he, he prayed for me. And it was not what I was expecting on vacation, you know, to respond in a seven-member church. But aren't you thankful that the Spirit of God is not bound to just certain church aren't you thankful that the spirit of god will often speak a word that you need to hear in spite of the imperfect vessel he's using to deliver that word can i get a witness what are the things that you need to put to death your lust your greed your bitterness towards someone else your lust for power and and for control your addiction, your unbelief, your lack of humility. You say, how do I put these things to death, preacher? By the Spirit, Paul says. You put these things to death. You will live. I was reminded of a a new obligation that day in that little church, and, and it's a reminder that I need daily, which leads us to number five, a new identity. Verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Remember how we began today's service? I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Come on church of Christ This is what This is my story This is my song Now you're singing it You was a little not awake earlier All the day long Come on church This is I can start a song and then I can shut up. You <laughs> can't do that in every church. You start a song in some churches, you just need to keep on going, right? Ah, we declare it. Not just on Sunday, we declare it on Monday too. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. John 8, Jesus encounters this woman who's caught in adultery. And what does he do before he tells her to leave her life of sin? He assures her of of his acceptance. He assures her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And it's through the power of his acceptance that she was able to walk in that new life. It's a new identity. And we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Abba is this term of endearment, invitation, and as, as Joe Beam would say, into me see intimacy. Number six, we have a new intimacy. Who's, who's the person that you trust the most? Who's the person that, that gets you? First Corinthians 12, no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, the fruit of the Spirit in us gives us the affection for us to cry, Abba, Father. Our kiddos uh, spent some time with grandparents this week, and we got them back last night. And they saw me, and they're like, Daddy, Abba. Last one, number seven, a new inheritance. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Verse 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to be in Romans 8 for a few weeks, so hang on. Just hang on. Here's three takeaways for you. One, I want to encourage you to read Romans 8 every day this week. Every single day, be in Romans 8. But number two, before you read, pray. Don't just jump into the text. Before you jump into the text, pray. Number three, ask God to show you what he wants you to apply and, notice this word, memorize. I believe that God is calling some of us to memorize the whole chapter. Not just for the sake of memorization, but to hide it in our hearts. For some, he may just be calling you to memorize one verse. Start with the first one. It's a good one. Therefore, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody can do that. Romans 8.1. But ask God what else he wants you to memorize in that chapter. And whatever he reveals, I believe, will be the right answer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our freedom in Christ. We thank you for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can call you Abba, Father. God, meet us in this space. As we go out this week, may we not let Romans 8... Fall on deaf ears. He who has ears, let him hear. May we declare the goodness of you that is found in these words all throughout the week. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, here's that stand and sing moment that I've mentioned a few moments ago. If you have a prayer need, uh, we'll have a shepherd down front, also a shepherd and his spouse back here in this room to my right, the chapel. Today's the day that you want to be baptized into Christ. We'd love to celebrate that with you as we stand and sing.